0: Hey everyone, welcome to the boot.
1: That's right, it's The Boot! We're recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to.
0: This week, Kenna and I are having a mental breakdown about our diminishing careers in Hollywood as we discuss Sunset Boulevard, starring Gloria Swanson, William Holden, Eric Von Strom, Nancy Olsen, and Cecil B. DeMille. This movie, rated, I believe, by AFI, the 16th greatest movie of all time.
1: Ooh, didn't break that top 15. No, and
0: it actually dropped from 12 since 1988.
1: I wonder what those middle ones were.
0: Traffic. dude where's my car uh this movie still fucking holds up it's really good it's uh pretty pretty real (laughs) it's
1: still you could you could remake this movie today and
0: I could live this scenario tonight (laughs) if I played my cards right at certain parties
1: let's just go cruise Sunset Boulevard
2: (laughs) wait a minute haven't I seen you before I know your face
1: get out or
3: shall I call my servant
2: you're Norma Desmond. Used to be in silent pictures. Used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Uh-huh. I knew there was something wrong. They're dead. They're finished. There was a time in this business when they had the eyes of the whole wide world. But that wasn't good enough for them. Oh, no. They had to have the ears of the world, too. So they opened their big mouths and out came talk. Talk, talk. But there's a microphone right there to catch the last gurgles. And Technicolor to photograph the red swollen tongue.
0: you wake up the monkey. Did you read the trivia for this? I did. I love that little bit where uh, Nancy Reagan ran up to Billy Wilder after one of the screenings. And Uh was just like, what's the deal with the monkey? And he was just like, what do you think? She was fucking the monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think this movie
1: is a spiritual sequel to... Singing in the Rain.
0: Singing in the Rain was made after, wasn't it?
1: But do you think it's a spiritual sequel to the story?
0: Um, oof, It's been a while. What I don't – I'm not following. <laughs>
1: because it together for me. Singing in the Rain is about studios wanting to make talking pictures from silent films and replacing stars with oh, voices yeah. instead of faces.
0: And the actress, what's her name, who has the, who's the weird voice?
1: Yeah. What is her name?
0: I don't know. Do we have the capabilities?
1: <laughs> if only there was a way to look this up.
0: Here, yes, 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 yes. Gene Hagen, Lena Lamont.
1: Lena Lamont. This is her twenty years after singing in the rain.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like the everybody gets some of of singing in the rains. What is my favorite movie? <laughs> Days and Confused.
1: Oh, I've never spiritual seen, sequel, but never yeah. seen Days and Confused.
0: It's uh, it's wonderful. Um, did you say it's your favorite movie. It's one of my favorites. It's oh, okay. Like my favorite, but yeah, I, I uh, the idea of Billy Wilder sort of focusing on on Hollywood gone by. Yeah, I could see it.
1: And how upset it made people?
0: <laughs> yeah, everyone who would read the script would be like, "How could you do this to
1: us?" Yeah, lots of people did not want to do this movie.
0: Well, despite that this movie got sort of knocked down a couple pegs on AFI's top one hundred list, it's still an incredible movie that we will get into later mm-hmm. when Kenna and I take five characters from this movie and reboot it as if it was to be remade today. But we got a couple of news items for you. Yeah. Uh, as always. We couldn't possibly skip the news. So this is from Variety. Um it's sort of a, you know, a little adjunct to what we normally talk about, but the Gremlins franchise is coming back as a cartoon. On Warner Media, which is Warner Brothers' new streaming service, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone's getting one. Um,
1: you know what's going to be so interesting is that every studio and every entertainment entity is going to have their own streaming service. And then people are going to be so desperate to have just a collection of these streaming services that we're going to turn it back into cable. Yeah, it's ins- – that's just what it's going to be.
0: It's going to be like – Sling TV is just going to be like, hey, if you just subscribe to Sling, yeah. we will give you Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, HBO Go, War- Disney Plus, all of this stuff.
1: Yeah. Nobody's hap- – like the we have circled back on the convenience of it. Yeah. And it's insane.
0: Um, this franchise though, do you care about a Gremlins cartoon, which as it's reported is – the Potential Series is said to be a period piece that would follow Mr. Wing, the Chinese grandfather played in the films by Kai-Luke as a young man as he goes on adventures with the friendly Mogwai Oh my god, Mogwai Gizmo? Yeah. Yeah. Mogwai is the species. Yes. And Gizmo, Gizmo is, is the, his name. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um this franchise has taken kind of like a weird turn and when it first came out in 1984 Directed by Joe Dante and written by Chris Columbus, it was a major box office success. The second film, Gremlins Two: The New Batch, released in 1990, which was directed by Dante. And uh, uh yeah, still, uh, yeah, doesn't matter. He's- Have you
1: seen that key appeal? speech yes. where they pitch Gremlins
0: Two. That's what I was trying to get. To. <laughs> And is absolutely going to be the clip that I'm playing right now. Let me just recap right now. It's Brainy Gremlin, Spider Gremlin, Back Gremlin, Lady Gremlin, Googly Eye Gremlin, Electricity Gremlin. Hulk Hogan's going to be in the picture. I'm going to throw in a gremlin myself. Vegetable gremlin, just write it up. I'm having so much fun. Thank you. It's all going to be in the actual film. Now I got to go put some cowboys in Back to the Future 3. Sayonara, y'all. Oops. But with that said, it kind of veered off and I I don't think... I don't think there's a lot of heat with gremlins. I don't don't think it's maintained. I
1: like gremlins as a, a, a cartoon because they're sort of made for that. Like they would be really fun, adorable creatures to follow on adventures. Yeah. Well, the Mogwai. I guess gremlins are technically the villains.
0: Mogwai are the pre gremlins. Yeah. Yes. That's
1: what happens if you feed them after midnight or thought, get them wet. I had a I had a plush Gizmo when I was a kid, and it was it was pretty legit.
0: <laughs> well, the, here's the thing: the film is also kind of dark, like it it, it mm-hmm. like veers into kind of monster uh, horror. Not horror; it's kind of slapsticky horror. Yeah, it's like puppets, but there's like you know slime and like the gremlins all look like messed up. So I'm wondering: like this is this really going to be like a kids show, or is this going to be maybe something a little? In between,
1: I think it sort of has to be like it's kind of a cute thing. Yeah, we're not gonna not make it not cute. Well, I mean, Gizmo's
0: gonna be the the cutest of all.
1: But also, adults who are fans of Gremlins are not gonna not watch it. (laughs) Adult fans of Gremlins come together. (laughs) Adult friends of Gremlins.
0: (laughs) No, AFOG's.
1: What if it was? I I would love it if you know how like uh, we talk a lot about how Ghostbusters fans are kind of the worst because they're just absolutely ruining everything. They're taking that was a, a, they're it was taking a huge it back. generalization. <laughs> taking it back. This whole what if there was like some epic battle between fandoms and it was like really just like wholesome fans of Gremlins who come who like come to the rescue when like Ghostbusters fans are like uh Women in our movie, not on our watch.
0: Like sort of like an anchorman fighting scene. Yeah, where all the stands of like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Harry Potter, Marvel just sort of show up.
1: Oh, but it's like all men.
0: Oh, do you know who? Do you know who I would love to see get into a fight? Who? The Ghostbuster fans and the Zack Snyder Justice League. We want to see his original cut fans. And these <laughs> are the two sections of people that I would pay money to fight <laughs> each other to the death. To
1: the death because they would all die. Yeah. And then we wouldn't have to listen to them anymore.
0: OK. What's next? <laughs>
1: um, Sleeping with the Enemy remake is in the works at Fox Searchlight. You remember Sleeping with the Enemy. Not one bit. The 1991 thriller starring Julia Roberts. Uh, in which she is a domestic violence victim who fakes her own death in order to escape her controlling husband.
0: I mean, that makes sense. I mean, if you were in that situation, I think that's the most logical way to go.
1: Right. (laughs) We're not laughing at domestic violence victims. Um, I promise. Okay, so now they want to take it in a more modern direction. um, As reported by Deadline, producer Damian Jones and his DJ Films are working with such – fox searchlight to do a remake with writer director nia da who is on board as well in the era of me too changes will need to be made to the film's point of view i think but i it's it's an interesting movie to bring into the modern era because th- so much of of what this movie deals with we're also just still trying to empower women to uh step forward not fake your own death mm. in order to escape an abusive man yeah um So it could be a really uh, exciting, empowering, cool movie to sort of update instead of making it very sort of like victim focused, make it more, I don't know, my first thought was revenge focused, but that's not that great. The
2: woman she used to be is dead. Are you okay?
1: Saying goodbye to all the ghosts, you know.
2: But the man who always wanted her still wants her back. I know your every thought, Laura. (laughs) Nothing could keep me away. I can't live
3: without you. I won't
0: let you live without me. I see your point, but let me ask you this. How do you do that without making this 2002's Jennifer Lopez vehicle enough?
1: I don't know what that is.
0: It's the same story, but then in the end... Does
1: she fake her death? She
0: doesn't fake her own death, but she does learn, like, mixed martial arts. (laughs)
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's similar in the sense that what I was thinking is that maybe she does fake her own death. Maybe she does go on the run. But ultimately, instead of... Because I think at the end of Sleeping with the Enemy, there's some sort of like showdown where she ends up like shooting her husband, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And maybe instead, it's more that she doesn't like wait for him to come after her. She takes it upon herself but maybe it's not i don't know
0: maybe there's a little john wick in there like she she fakes her own death starts a new life and then somehow her like highly public like publicized husband marries a new woman and she knows that the woman is in the same situation she has to come back from the dead and kill the husband
1: hmm. or maybe there are just more um well-developed female characters in there <laughs> to help, her supo- help support her lead her in the right direction there are many ways we could make this tomato movie.
0: tomato <laughs> Kind of tomato, I, do love, tomato. I
1: do love a revenge movie, though. Peppermint? I didn't see that, but that's what that was, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> oh, God. I don't think you could pay me enough money to watch that movie.
1: Oh, I would love to watch Peppermint.
0: Oh, boy. Not by
1: myself, obviously. Obviously. Because then that's just sad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What'd you do this weekend? I watched Peppermint and made a bunch of macaroni salad. Oh, God, Kenna.
1: Macaroni salad? That's disgusting. So it's is es-
0: Peppermint. It's
1: essentially just macaroni and and, and mustard. <laughs>
0: mustard
1: yeah there's always like the like mustard seed like you know that tanginess Mm. this is
0: how good this week's news is (laughs) this is where we've come now we're talking
1: about macaroni salad
0: (sighs) okay guys this is our reboot of sunset boulevard
2: did you see them did you see how they came you know some crazy things happen in this business norma i hope you haven't lost your sense of humor what's the matter dear
3: nothing I just didn't realize what it would be like to come back to the old studio. I had no
2: idea how much I missed it. We've missed you too, dear. We'll be working again, won't we, Chief? We'll make our greatest picture. Now, yeah, that's what I want to talk to you it's about. It's a good script, isn't it? Uh, well, it's uh, it has some good things in it, yes, but... Uh, it'll be a very expensive picture. Oh, I don't care about the money. I just want to work again. You don't know what it means to know that you want me. We're ready with the shot, Mr. DeMille. Why don't you just sit here and watch? You know, pictures have changed quite
0: a bit. Sunset Boulevard, directed by Billy Wilder, director of the classic Some Like It Hot, which we did a few episodes back, and Double Indemnity, which is also a movie we'll probably do in the future because it's, it's amazing. Stars Gloria Swanson as Norma Desmond, William Holden as Joe Gillis, Eric Von Stroheim as Max von Meierling, Nancy Olsen as Betty Schaefer, and Cecil B. DeMille... As himself, and uh, there's a little weirdness with that role, but we'll get to that later on. So we have a rule for this week, Mm -hmm. and it was kind of a weird one. It was kind of a difficult one.
1: It was only weird in uh, execution. The idea is great. (laughs) Yes. Because we picked a fantastic classic film – And in order to maintain its uh, gravitas... Its integrity. We decided to cast only Oscar winners in each of these five roles. Yes. Which was not easy.
0: Because there's only maybe four actors a year.
1: It's true. And people of many ages win these awards. So if there are (laughs) young people who need to be cast and lots of not young people... Yeah. ...who qualify.
0: Did you watch this year's Oscars? I did. I didn't watch a minute of it. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. It's something about award shows as I've gotten older that I just, like, I don't care. But, like, going back and, like, seeing who's won for stuff, I was just like, oh, yeah, Crash. (laughs) Crash.
1: You and everyone else.
0: Yeah, like.
1: Especially because Green Book is the new Crash.
0: I cannot believe. That that won.
1: The funny thing is, I went. I, I went to an Oscar party, and I felt like the whole room was like trying to convince everyone who had. I haven't seen Green Book, but the whole room was trying to convince everyone that it's actually a good movie. And I was like, "You can't. You can't tell me that it's better than
0: Roma or half
1: of everything on this list."
0: I also kind of like this rule because, like, the Oscars, you know, they're kind of this sort of stalwart. I don't know if they're antiquated, but it's just sort of this like tradition of Hollywood. And for a movie like this, I thought it would be you know I think it's kind of cool to kind of pull from a pile of like you know that Hollywood.
1: It's actors of... playing actors. Yeah, Ra- uh, actors playing writers. Yeah, directors playing directors. Sure.
0: Um, so why don't we get into it? Why don't we start with uh, the shining star in this movie, Norma Desmond, played by Gloria Swanson, who was a Aging, silent movie mm-hmm. actress, correct?
1: Yes. According to the trivia, she had already sort of kissed her career goodbye. But unlike unlike Norma, had fully accepted it and was sort of just retreating um, into retirement mm-hmm. um, when she got the call from um, – who directed this movie? Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder. Right. Um, to do it, and I think because she had the good humor – To understand this character, but know that she hadn't fallen into the trap of this character. Mm -hmm. To really give it uh, everything that it needed. Um, She's perfect in this movie.
2: Salome, what a woman. What a part. The princess in love with a holy man. She dances the dance of the seven veils. He rejects her, so she demands his head on a golden tray. Kissing his cold death.
1: I think something I love about her characterization is the way she moves her hands. They're just always like doing this thing. And it's so specific and intentional that she is, she is very like movement based and very facially aware because she's a silent film actress and her face and everything she did on screen was part of who she was and, and she also has an incredible voice, so I'm yeah. like, why, why, is, why didn't she just keep acting?
0: So who did you pick?
1: Um, honestly, I think this, this was maybe the weirdest choice I made in this whole cast uh-huh. uh, because there are many amazing actresses who have won awards. There was one person who I wanted desperately to play Norma, but she's only been nominated. nominated. And so I ended up going with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oscar winner for Chicago. Oh, I
0: forgot she won an Oscar.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love this choice because much in the way that Norma is not <laughs> an ancient human being, she just has been set aside by the industry as if she is. I think Catherine Zeta-Jones is still stunning, but fits into that category where she is kind of set up for a certain kind of role now and it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense why don't we just cast older women in movies but um yeah i think that she would capture the over the topness the drama that descent into madness i think it would all just naturally suit her And this could be a career changing move for Catherine Zeta Jones. Hmm.
2: What I'm trying to say is that I'm all wrong for you. You want a Valentino, somebody with polo ponies, a big shot.
3: What you're trying to say is you don't want me to love you. Say it. Say it.
0: I'm going to be honest, I hated Chicago. Really? Yes, but I just watched a drunk history about the actual like
1: the like woman. Mary Murderesses, yeah,
0: that inspired the 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 musical, mm-hmm. and so I was kind of like, maybe I should give Chicago another shot because I I think I watched it when I was like an angsty teenage boy, and I was just I don't know. Is that
1: where this is that where the musical thing started? No, I just think... because you have a thing about musicals.
0: I well, here is the thing: <laughs> through the course of this podcast, I've definitely. Um, become more open to musicals. Mm-hmm. But Chicago, for some reason, really grinded my gears, hmm. and I don't know why. But, um, okay, Catherine Sita jones She is um, definitely someone that would be like, it's hard because Norma Desmond is really crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think for maybe a modern version, she wouldn't be so silent movie kind of crazy eyed i think she would be maybe more of a diva maybe maybe someone who feels like a little more forgotten but i can so i can sort of see it it's hard because like i haven't seen her anything recently
1: yeah it's if you didn't if you haven't seen like one or two things you're you've missed her in the past 10 years but i think that that's what kind of what primes her for this though is that she's enough out of the zeitgeist that should she do something like this we can fully accept her as the character who is just trying to cling to some sort of public face.
0: Yeah, I, I can I can see it. Like, I can sort of see it. Like, she's very attractive, which I think is also something that when I first watched this movie, I didn't – like, I've seen this movie once or twice. This probably the second time. I didn't realize Norma Desmond was kind of supposed to be weirdly alluring in some way. And yeah. so I think, like – a modern take like if there was like an older sexy actress to sort of lure a younger um uh what's his name a younger Jenny. joe uh, i think that could work because that's sort of how i how i pulled my norma desmond too it's like she has to be someone that like you can't e- even though joe's in a desperate situation mm-hmm. you kind of can't say no to her because she's so um she has her own gravitational pull in a lot of ways i went with Kim Basinger.
1: Mm, it's a good choice.
0: Have you seen LA Confidential?
1: I have started it <laughs> and never finished.
0: I think maybe we find that your musical is crime movies. Because we haven't done a crime <laughs> movie again, have Well, I guess we did Untouchables, but um Yeah. Yeah, I just I just kept thinking about her in um LA Confidential, where you know she kind of plays that that 50s Starlet, and mm-hmm. I just thought it would be interesting. In my head, my cast was more about it was more modern like it It wasn't a period piece it was more like you know a, an actress trying to come back mm-hmm. and I haven't seen Kim Basinger I think in a long long time I yeah I also don't know if she's e- even
1: Is she still active? acting
0: let's see if what her IMDB says she's in the 50 shades movies oh oh boy okay eh, well she was in the nice guys
1: you can't oh
0: the 11th hour
1: What's the 11th hour?
0: I don't know. Eh. Eh,
1: none of these movies are.
0: Well, The Nice Guys, that was a big movie. I don't remember her in it, but <laughs> so I guess she's still around, you know, yeah. I, uh, but I, I I, was sort of like, maybe she's sort of posed for like that kind of big comeback. I guess.
1: I think she definitely, as you mentioned, has that alluring quality of of the reason Joe initially stays is because he, he's just got people hot on his trail and he he needs a place to be. Yeah. And this he has uh, essentially tricked this woman into letting him stay. And so he doesn't realize that she also needs to get what she needs to get out of the situation. But then I think there has to be a reason for him to stay because he clearly doesn't like the doting. He doesn't like all that necessarily romantic attention from her but he I think falls for her in a weird way
2: you've been good to me you're the only person in this stinking town that has been good to me
1: why
3: don't you just say thank you and go go go
2: not until you promise to act like a sensible human being
1: I'll do it again I'll do it again so it's it's interesting to sort of have n- what's now like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. actresses of like the 80s and 90s that are now in in the quote unquote aging category yeah. um to sort of see them come out from the caves <laughs> of Griffith Park I know Did, so- <laughs>
0: The trivia in this was so crazy about how like all these actresses were like nominated for the or or not nominated but pitched for the role and then when they would read the script they would just be like oh I don't want to like yeah I don't want to like dive into this like it seems mean somehow or like
1: especially who, vicious. uh Gloria Swanson like tried to find Mary Pickford after the yeah. first screening and and who was it was it Mae West, West who told her like she couldn't she couldn't face you she was too overwhelmed yeah.
0: And I thought that was more like her performance was too good, or was it like this is my fucking life? I think I, her
1: perform. I think it was more that like Gloria's performance hit home for all these old, old. I won't old. say old.
0: All these <laughs> old crypt <gripped> skeletons <laughs> that they dusted all of off.
1: The, all of these aging actresses who were like, we get it, like we're not crazy, but we get it.
0: That's how I feel about '90s R and B on like oldie stations.
1: I'm oh, like yeah. I'm
0: like you got to be kidding me. or like songs that I listened to in high school are now on like
1: when they're when they created like the aughts station on satellite radio as like throwbacks oh, I was like god what <laughs> I mean we're 10 we're 9 years out I mean, from that let's
0: like, let's hope crazy. Let, guys let's hope that this podcast doesn't slowly become like things Brian and Kenna have like <laughs> W- have wistfully wished back like last week. We were talking about <laughs> zip disk drives or something like that. Oh, if only. Oh, and this is good zip. All disc.
1: I all I want is a good external drive.
0: <laughs> all right, Joe Joe Gillis Gillis played by William Holden. Um,
1: who they aged with makeup for this movie? Oh, did they? Yes. In the trivia, it says that he, I
0: he was forty two.
1: He's in his thirties.
0: He is oh, okay. Um,
1: thirty one, I think, when they filmed the movie. Um, and I think because they didn't want honestly, I think because. I don't entirely know because now the reasoning I'm thinking of doesn't make sense. But they sort of tried to age him up a little bit so it wasn't necessarily this, like, creep factor. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting because there was a point where I was like, he looks, he looks a little old. Like, there are wrinkles in places where I was like, really? Mm-hmm. And then you find out he's 30 years old.
0: This was really hard because you kind of have to believe that there could be – a romantic relationship between Norma and Joe, even if it's for all the wrong reasons. But then you also have to believe that there could be like a truer love between Joe and Betty. And so you have to find an actor that kind of sits in that gap. And my actor, I guess does, but I don't know. It's (laughs) this one was just hard Mm -hmm. and I'm definitely going to butcher his name. I picked, uh, Jean du Jardin. Mm, from the artist. From the artist. And he's not as young and sprightly as, mm-hmm. you know, William Holden apparently was. But what I liked about him is I co- I was sort of like who could be an actor who could play sort of the down on his luck mm-hmm. kind of character? Who could still also be funny and charming? Yeah. Exactly
2: what kind of material do you recommend? James Joyce? Dostoevsky? I just think that picture should say a little tough thing. Oh, one of the message kids. Just a story won't do. You'd have turned down Gone with the Wind.
0: So that's who I went with. And I think because of the lack of actors available to sort of make Betty so young as Nancy Olsen was, Mm -hmm. I think it's okay because Kim Basinger's 65. Jean Dujardin is 46. Okay. So it's nearly a 20 year gap. Interesting. So. I think I think I get away with it.
1: There's a little less of the um the guy who has who has been in LA for a few years, had a couple successes but a lot of failures. I think there's something a little a little different about aging him up that much and that being his circumstance because you know, I don't know. At a certain point,
0: yeah, like at a certain point it does still become weird. Yeah. But um I think I think what I loved about Joe is his just like inability to escape, you know, the life that he – it's like he's a writer in Hollywood. No one wants his shit.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> and then he meets this this actress who is essentially kind of – it's like they're playing house and he mm-hmm. knows that it's wrong and he keeps threatening to like move back to Ohio. He's going to do something. He's going to do like copy editing or something like mm-hmm. that. And yet he still can't leave – until Betty, you know, pulls him out of this you know, this depressive yeah. state. And I don't know why. I, I just sort of see him kind of playing maybe someone who's been in L.A. like way too long.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like maybe his ship has kind of sailed and he doesn't realize it yet.
1: Also, he's French.
0: That's also weird. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was going to pick.
1: I would love if his like French accent being like eh, going back to Ohio.
0: <laughs> I'm not saying this cast is perfect by any means. But here's the like. There was a guy I was gonna pick. um, I I was gonna pick Casey Affleck, but I just think he's too sticky. Don't do it. You know what I mean? of of
1: all me tooers, the (laughs) the people who are like getting away with it, like
0: sure, but like get out of town, Casey. Like look at the list of all the actors that have won in the last like ten years, and it's not like I'm not gonna pick Rami Malek. Sorry, Rami Malek. I hope you didn't pick Rami. Did you pick Rami Malek? (laughs) Who'd you pick? Who'd you pick?
1: (laughs) Um. I picked Eddie Redmayne, Oscar winner in 2015 for The Theory of Everything, and not just because he's one of the younger (laughs) Oscar winners out there. Here's the thing about Eddie Redmayne. He has sort of developed a typecast career in that um, when you see him in interviews, I think he comes off as very, very genuine and very charming, very quirky. Yeah, Um, He's... That's just who he is. But I sort of see people, I think, turning to him for something very specific. And it's difficult then when you're an actor, I think, to branch out of that because people like who you are. Yeah. And so they're like, of course, Newt Scamander is this like funny little chap. Like, of course, that's what we want to see him do. But I would like to challenge him to do a more like troubled version of a guy who just can't catch a break. And see, he stumbles into an opportunity to be a kept man. Yeah. And he just takes it. Now if we could sit down for two weeks to get a story. I'm sorry,
2: Miss Schaefer. I've given up writing on spec.
0: But I tell you this is half sold.
2: As a matter of fact, I've given up writing altogether. Mr. Gillies. I've got to run along. Thanks anyway for your interest in my career.
0: It's not your career. It's mine. He's English though. Do you think his accent will be a problem? No. What? I, I'm just throwing shade back because you got on my pick for being Listen, French. Listen,
1: French people trying to do uh, standard
0: I'm not saying he has to do English an American accent. Different. I actually kind of like the idea that of him being French like he's other and he came all this way to do this thing and he just failed at it. Even more reason for him to leave.
1: I'm just the thing imagining about- him like smoking cigarettes like in in shadows like, yeah, I tried to make it into business. <laughs>
0: Here's the thing about Eddie Redmayne. He's like sixty-three. Here's the thing about Eddie Redmayne. Mm-hmm. I agree that I I would like to see him do different things. I don't think I've seen a movie in him where I where I had to like put subtitles on because I feel like he just mumbles his way through. What? Like his whole new Scamander character, it's just mumbles, 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 and then. <laughs> On the very few instances that I watched Jupiter Ascending, it's more mumbling. You've
1: seen that movie more than once?
0: No, I've seen the first 10 minutes of it maybe. Okay. But then he like rolls out in this like weird golden throne and he just talks. He's just like mumbling all – he sort of sounds like Dr. Evil to me. But (laughs) I, I, I thought about him in a little bit. I didn't like him for it, but I agree that he should be challenged to do something like this. Okay. To play something less quirky or I don't know.
1: I think it's fun, especially because there is a sort of uh, timidity to him. Yeah. He tends to shrink a little uh-huh. and it would be – I think it would be really a, a a challenge for him to sort of break out of that and be the sort of swaggering, confident, quick-talking kind of person that Joe is. Yeah, um, I just like to see him give it a shot. All right.
0: I'll give him a shot. Um, Shall we move on to Max von Mm Meyerling? Meyerling? Meyerling. Played by Eric von Stroheim. Stroheim? Stroheim? I don't know any of these. I didn't realize that he was also a director. Like that Mm -hmm. thing about him directing Gloria Swanson. Like the movie that they watch, The Silent Picture. Yeah, is his movie. Is his movie that she fired him from. Mm -hmm.
1: Which I think is honestly one of the most incredible things – about the movie is that so much of it is just populated with her history mm-hmm. like she really did silent films all of those like publicity shots of her young and gorgeous are all hers those are all things from her career that they just like populated her house with and her life with and it's all true and it's i mean all, it, it yeah. helps it <clears throat> helps to bring in then this um this surprise that max brings to joe which is he is her first husband
0: yeah, and that he came crawling back to her, which I thought yeah. was, like, really crazy. Like, And I'd forgotten that, like, he does it out of, like, love and protection for who mm-hmm. she is because he found her.
2: I made her a star. You made her a star. Yes. I directed all her early films. And I cannot let her be destroyed.
1: For my max, I picked a very high-caliber actor. <laughs> um, but someone who I think uh, would be a really good choice for this because – for a part like this, I want to see someone big who is playing the sort of second fiddle to this woman that he unconditionally loves mm-hmm. up until the end mm-hmm. and um, would just give a very subtle performance. Like I want somebody big who can also just like shrink into mm-hmm. the back, um, which is not easy to do. No. But I picked Gary Oldman.
0: Hmm, I like it. I love Gary Oldman. I think he's incredible. It's also crazy how he only just won an Oscar. Yeah. Um, did you see?
1: For the Darkest <clears throat> the Hour. The Darkest Hour.
0: Yeah. I thought it was okay as I a didn't, movie. I
1: didn't see it. <laughs>
0: um, I thought it was an okay movie. He wore a lot of makeup. Yeah, but I, he was great in it and he's o- he's always been great. So that's why mm-hmm. it's so so shocking that – excuse me, that he hasn't won. I mean – Guys, if you don't believe us, go back in time and listen to our Dracula episode
1: and the Fifth Element
0: and the Fifth Element. It's he's just he's just wow.
1: We're shocked he's never won an Oscar up until last year. I think this he could
0: he could have won for the Fifth Element. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like the idea of Max being someone who's just sort of there. In the background, and it's Joe who kind of like gets all the, he, he kind of puts all the clues together. It's just like, you're the one that's writing the fan oh, letters. all the things. You're the one that's lying to her about why mill keeps calling, why the studio keeps calling.
1: And refusing all of Joe's calls meant for him so he can't leave.
2: It is just that I'm greatly worried about Nana. Mm-hmm. Sure you are. And we're not helping her any. Feeding our lies and more lies. Getting herself ready for a picture. What happens when she finds out? She never will. That
0: is my job. I just imagine sort of maybe a, a bigger performance from him than Eric von Stroheim.
1: Well, it's interesting because in, now that I'm thinking about it, Max is like enabling her in such a way that he is essentially creating a monster. Not to yeah. say that she doesn't have some sort of uh, mental illness, but – the way he treats her makes this all possible. And yeah. so I think he could play it maybe more in the vein that we slowly start to realize why she is the way she yeah. is. And that it's not just some delusion that she has, but it's because this one person who has been committed to her this whole time won't bring her into reality. He yeah. refu- he keeps her away from all of that.
0: I kind of, though, keep thinking about Gary Oldman in The Dark Knight just like screaming about <laughs> – Like Harvey Dent, you know what I mean? Like when they're when the three when Harvey Dent and Gordon and Batman are in like I don't know where they are. They're like under a dock or something, and (laughs) Two Face is gonna shoot Gordon's kid, and but he's just like screaming like that's that's sort of what I have in my mind. Is that
1: the you were the best of us? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. But yes, I that's not too. I'm not trying to besmirch Gary Oldman. He's he's incredible, but that's that's what I'm. But you don't like
1: that performance.
0: No, I love that performance. I'm just marrying the two – I'm marrying that performance to what Max's character is in this movie and that's sort of what I'm seeing.
1: What if he did this but like – this too was another thing is I don't know if I wanted him to have an accent but what if he did this with the Dracula accent?
0: (laughs) So it's Gary Oldman. (laughs) In Sunset Boulevard <laughs> with the performance of The Dark Knight with Dracula's accent. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs>
1: and those glasses too.
0: <laughs> um, I picked an actor, a very high caliber actor. Um, I loved your description of Max being sort of someone who can slip in the background. I was sort of seeing Max as, you know, when you first meet him, he's like a, he's like a statue. Yeah. Like he's very much just part of the house. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like kind of part of the madness. Like he's sort of. The uranium rod that's sort of leaking radiation and poisoning Norma Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, I ended up going with uh, Sir Ben Kingsley.
1: Oh, Sir Sir Ben Ben Kingsley. Kingsley,
0: Winner. What did he win for? Gandhi he won. He was nominated for a bunch more, but I think his only win. Didn't he win for Schindler's List? He did not.
1: Well, I mean, it wasn't his movie to win.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Gandhi. That was the only one he won.
1: Who he? Because he was a he was a Nazi, right? In Schindler's List.
0: No, he was a he was a Jewish man helping Schindler get Jews out. But now he's in Operation Finale. That's what I'm playing a about. Nazi. Speaking of about. Dark Knight, what's the quote? Live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You either
1: die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the
0: villain. That's Ben Kingsley's career in a nutshell. He goes from, from Schindler's he List goes not even to that, Operation Finale. But before Schindler's List, he was fucking Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> and now all the way to this.
1: That's his career.
0: Um, but I just – like I always love when Ben Kingsley is that sort of quiet type, you know, someone that you know um, –
1: He's a very interesting actor. He's he's like a little wacky.
0: He is, yeah. And I think Max – I don't think Max is wacky, but like he's also like he, – he's – I don't know if he's manipulative either. But he, he plays a certain role of like the protector, which is definitely something that he has confused over the years, yeah. you know? You tell her, Max.
2: Come on. Do her that favor. Tell her there isn't going to be any picture. There aren't any fan letters except the ones you write.
1: That isn't true. Max!
2: Madame is the greatest star of them all.
1: Well, it's fascinating because when the guys come to take his car again, Joe's car again, Max, without even being asked, is like, eh, I told him you weren't here. It's but just very odd to essentially be like, hello, first wife whom I love dearly. I'm just going to help you make all of these wacky choices and be a sugar mama to all these men. I'm just so going to help you.
0: That's so weird that he – so he was the first husband of three husbands. Yeah. And I'm assuming some other string of maybe a few lovers after the – or in between there Probably. Somewhere. And he's still just sort of, like, around? I don't know.
1: Have a little respect for yourself, Max. <laughs> um, should we move on to Betty Schaefer, the 22-year-old reader, former actress?
0: She's sort of the one who, like, can sniff out Joe's bullshit writing. She knows he's not really... He's, like... Was he not really trying or is he just like a bad writer?
1: It's interesting because there's that part where she tells him, like, I was interested to read your script because I know you're talented. And he says something to the effect of, uh, well, that was last year. This year I'm trying to make a living.
0: So I don't know. I don't know. The thing about Betty that I really liked is, is sort of she is also of Hollywood. She's just on the other side of Norma's coin Like Norma was the young girl She was born into Hollywood Hollywood mm-hmm. grew up around her mm-hmm. Betty was born into Hollywood And she just took the, the different path Like the, the behind the camera path The producing path mm-hmm. The development path
2: I got a job in the mailroom, Worked up to the stenographic Now I'm a reader Come clean Betty At night you weep for those lost close-ups Those gala openings
0: Not once What's wrong with being on the other side of the cameras? It's really more fun I don't think Reader is going to cut it. So the way that I kind of envisioned this version of Betty, who still has all that same charm and
1: well, if it's a modern movie, it's not like
0: not like Readers. Readers exist don't
1: have their own like department. At readers studios are called anymore. assistants. Yeah, readers yeah. are called interns. Yeah, and they don't get paid. Yeah, <laughs> you just do coverage until your fingers bleed. It's okay,
0: Kenneth. You're, <laughs> it's over. You you did you you don't have to do it anymore. You're out of that. <laughs> We both got out. <sighs> um, but I, I still wanted someone who kind of had that, like, young face. I mean, it's hard when you have an Academy Award winning yeah, actress. Like th- th- to
1: see them as, like, fresh.
0: Yeah. So the closest I think I got was uh, Brie Larson, mm. who is about to become, like, a major movie mov- star. I mean, she's already a movie star, but, like, Captain Marvel's coming out probably last week. Right? When this when this podcast comes out? Y- yes. It will have been out for a you know, week or something.
1: If the movie still comes out, you know. If the fanboys Look, don't, we've already don't, don't, no, leave don't it in burn the, don't burn it to the ground. <laughs>
0: we've already said our piece about the fanboys. <laughs> um but it's yeah, I, I just sort of saw her as someone who like you you see comparatively from, you know, Norma that you would wanna like for Joe especially to like follow out of this this trap really that he's kind of willingly staying in in a lot of ways but Mm -hmm. that's who I picked and I think she's great her career is so bananas like I'm, I'm trying to remember all the movies that she's in but it really felt like she was like in that Showtime show and then she was in Scott Pilgrim and then suddenly she was in Room yeah. And then it was like, hey, let's you should spend the next three years developing and being in Captain Marvel.
1: I mean her career trajectory is insane. Because she started out as like a like a Disney Channel pop singer. Yeah. And then sort of did like a like a, a mostly, I think, comedy track for a bit. For a bit. And bit. then yeah, it broke out. And now she has sold her soul to Marvel. <laughs> um but I don't I think that's a great choice. I think in the frame of like Uh, Fresh faced, dewy, softly lit faces, Brie Larson wins.
0: I, you know, I was kind of upset about this like romance. Like, you can sort of see it a mile away, but I did love their stroll through the back lot. I did Mm -hmm. think, I did, I did, you know, I was kind of like, now I'm shipping you guys.
1: Yeah. As the kids would say, it's cute AF.
0: May I say that you smell real special?
1: Must be my new shampoo.
2: That's no shampoo. More like freshly laundered linen handkerchiefs, like a brand new automobile.
0: But her being like Artie wants me to go back to New Mexico and get married.
1: It only costs what three three dollars to get married. married.
0: (laughs) Uh, Also, shout out to Artie for um, just hustling. Yeah, you know when he's just like, hey, if this movie sells, you got you got any room for an ad? (laughs) It's like, man, this shit is spot on.
1: Everybody getting like drunk on New Year's Eve, <laughs> yeah. and those women like laughing on the phone. I was like, "What a weird LA party that I've definitely been to at some <laughs> point." Also, um, things don't change. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's a great choice. Thank you. Um. In in a limited sea of choices that we had. <laughs> um, um. So for my Betty,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I picked another young, fresh-faced Oscar winner. I went with Alicia Vikander, Oscar winner in 2016 for The Danish Girl. Yeah. um, Who I like because my favorite trait about Betty is that she is very whip smart. And you can tell by not just like how she interacts with Joe, Mm -hmm. but the way she does it. So I was like, I just need someone who can dish it as well as they can take it. (laughs) And I see her as a very formidable woman because for a while you're like, eh, they're going to fall in love, but she holds up that facade pretty well yeah. for a
0: while. Two things. I Reuniting. know they've already been in the movie together. <laughs> Reuniting the I red will mane, let the you... <laughs> Cander duo. I mean, how brave of you.
3: <laughs> second, so brave.
0: Second, I weirdly, like, I weirdly ended up watching the new, she's in the new Tomb Raider, right? That's her, mm-hmm. right? I weirdly ended up watching that on like HBO Go and I was pleasantly surprised about that movie. Really? And her I don't know why, maybe I was in some weird mood, maybe I was sick, I don't know, but I was <laughs> uh yeah, I I I bought it and I think I think that's a really good pick. I just I I just don't like No, no. There I don't have anything.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I thought. I just, like, Jedi mind tricked you.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Our last character, Cecil B. DeMille, played by Cecil B. <laughs> DeMille. Now, this is this is sort of a rule within a rule, like, because we're not necessarily recasting it for that time. We're not casting someone to play Cecil B. DeMille.
1: I sort of was.
0: You were? Okay. Yeah,
1: I because I think it's one of those things where, like – If you wanted to make this a period piece, you could make it a period piece. If you wanted it to happen today, it could happen today. It's really just up to you. So,
0: Yeah. Well, I just
1: really shot for the moon with my Cecil B. DeMille because Uh they got Cecil B. DeMille to be in the movie. (laughs) So why not just have somebody do like a cameo as a big Hollywood director? I went with Leonardo DiCaprio. Huh.
0: Okay. So you're saying that Leonardo DiCaprio... Directed is, a film yeah. starring Catherine Zeta Jones. Sure. Twenty years ago. Yeah. When he was twenty years old.
1: This is his opportunity.
0: Or is wait, so he's playing a or is he playing a character he's of a playing, famous director?
1: He's playing a character. He's not playing himself.
0: Oh, see, I went with an actor who's play, who would play themselves. No. So. Okay. I
1: wanted someone to Play a character, Mm -hmm. but who we would sort of in a cheeky way be like, oh, that's Leonardo DiCaprio.
3: Of course. But
1: I like him for this because what I love about his cameo in this movie is that he's so compassionate for her. Like you can genuinely see him being like, I used to – yeah, I used to love this woman. Like she used to be one of my go-to people Mm -hmm. and she's fantastic and I'm aware of that. But also I'm aware that there is no place for her movie right now and there's no place for her – in the movie at this point
2: 30 million fans have given her the brush isn't that enough i didn't mean to. no of course you didn't you didn't know norma desmond as a lovely little girl of 17 but with more courage and wit and heart than never came together in one youngster
1: he is ultimately very compassionate towards yeah. her and so i could see leo playing the type of character who is accumulating all this information of like oh i figured out why he called her about the car And also being like, well, I read the script and it wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And and ultimately realizing what he has to do to her face and being able to deliver that with um, a lot of empathy. Because it's a very sad thing that she goes back and she's like, did you see? Did you see how they came to me?
0: You're right. His sympathy for her, I think, is what kills me because he's just like he calls up the guy and he's Mm -hmm. just like, why are you calling her? And he's just like, oh, we want our car. And then he like hangs up and he's just like. Okay, and he like sits near her and he's like, why don't you sit here? Why don't you watch us work? Film's moved on since last you were here and it's really fucking awful. And then they don't tell her for like days. Anyways, I – okay, I get it. Yeah, Leo's a big shot. I also went for a big shot. I'm kind of bummed because you you recently picked this guy but – I went with more of the he has been here for a long time. He is, you know, probably someone who still that thing where he probably worked with Norma when she was younger, Mm -hmm. and they have like a you know um, a rapport together. And she still thinks that he's going to come down from the clouds and like pluck her back up and shine her off and put her out in front of everybody. Um, I ended up just just going. (laughs) I ended up going with the incredible. The amazing, still kicking Robert Redford.
3: Oh, I just couldn't get him out of my head and you picked him last week. He's incredible.
0: But like – like he he just like retired and then he was like, nope, just kidding. I'm going to do The Old Man and the Gun, which Mm -hmm. is getting a lot of – not buzz, but it's like, you know, everyone's saying it's incredible and, you know, he he to me represents like not just 30 years ago Hollywood but like, you know – Sort of the era of that this movie takes place in, like sort of the late staple. 50s, yeah, yeah. And so that's why I, that's why I went with him. And you know, as someone who is older than my Norma, and to see the sympathy that he shows for her, I think that would be killer. Just to mm-hmm. be like, oh man, like she doesn't get it. Like he's even he's older, yeah, and even he's moved on, like. Um I did love how Cecil B DeMille. First of all, kudos to Cecil B DeMille. He yeah. really nailed it.
1: He has a great performance.
0: But I also loved his little director boots. You know what I mean? Like the old classic <laughs> like leather. He was little
1: director boots.
0: Like like little. where do those come from? Like
1: I don't know. I don't know why they're that's like, riding like a, boots. They are I it, but it's such a it's such a like silhouette of like old Hollywood. I don't know why directors did that. Yeah. I'm just going to google it just in case. Why are stereotypical movie directors depicted wearing jodhpurs? 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 I don't know. I've seen this word before, but I'm not sure if i to pronounce it. <laughs> but it's essentially riding boots. Yeah. Um, And apparently Cecil B. DeMille is known for making it very famous.
0: Oh, so it's like iconic.
1: But it was a preferred uniform for early movie directors – because the Jodhpur trouser, okay, so maybe those are the pants, became popular for military uniforms in Europe relating to riding a horse and then later a motorcycle. It was used a lot during the World War I era, um, which was a time when the military uniform gained much respect and gave people an air of authority. This air of military authority surrounding <clears throat> the clothing even influenced the fragile egos of early Hollywood directors who donned the military style to gain authority and respect Whilst sitting down on set.
0: Mm-hmm. Or so
1: says, I mean, one source that I'm mm-hmm.
0: reading. Interesting. I feel like now it would be some sort of North Face jacket and a bunch of scarves. You know what I mean?
1: It's true now that the like the modern director attire is a hat. Yeah. Some sort of like uh, like crew jacket.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're not talking about like boat crew. You're talking about like literally the staff uh, crew. crew. The,
1: like, yeah, like the jacket like, that they give you for working show. on <laughs> the last movie you worked on. Yeah. Which is probably like a, like a North Face that's embroidered with whatever yeah. title. It's
0: like here's your night school jacket and then you're walking around – <laughs> Telling Kevin Hart what to, what which to do. Which is like
1: a real, which is like such a real thing. I feel like we talk about this all the time in the writer's room, how like you bring whatever like sweatshirt you got in your last, last room job. to the new room because it's inevitably cold in the office and everybody's just like wearing a
0: zip up hoodie. That's it for our cast for Sunset Boulevard. I mean, I guess, I guess it's time for what we all. You guess. We all know what time it is.
1: Yeah. You can set your watch to this.
0: Guys, where does Barry Pepper go? Put the deli Pepper, Put the deli pepper. Who you got?
1: I made Barry Pepper Sheldrake the producer Joe goes to see uh, about uh trying to just baseball movie m- make some money real quick.
0: Loaded bases. That bases loaded. Bases loaded, yeah.
1: Loaded bases. I don't
0: know. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. I I made him Gordon Cole.
3: Oh the guy the who car keep, guy, the
0: guy who keeps calling for his car. Because in the trivia I kept reading how like David Lynch loves this movie and in Twin Peaks, he's like an agent, Gordon Cole. So I was like – I was going to make him cops. I was just going to be like he's going to play every policeman at the end when they come to arrest Norma. It's
1: just Barry Pepper like uh, VFX in (laughs) a bunch of different times (laughs) to create a crowd. Absolutely.
0: But then I was like, you know what? I think it would be kind of cool to stick him in like this weird meta character that's like tied in with all these other like – Hollywood, uh, yeah. like films and, t- and TV shows. So that's where I put them. Um, but speaking of your pick, when I, we didn't talk about how Betty basically rewrites one of Joe's scripts from basically yeah. like a kernel of an idea. And there, she's just like, no, n- none of this murder stuff. This stuff stinks. Like the psycho killer stinks. Know what you need? You want to make a movie about the teachers.
2: To begin with, I think you should throw out all that psychological mess. Exploring a killer's sick mind. Psychopaths are like hotcakes. This is a story about teachers. Their
1: threadbare lives. Their struggle. And it's so fascinating because, in a way, I want her to be. I want a new version of Betty to be like. I don't need you to make this. Yeah. Like I pull. Like because he spent so much time being like, you pulled the idea out. You write the movie, and she's like, I can't. Like it just won't gain traction if I'm the one writing the movie. But at the same time, now that I think about it, there's like something really cute about her being like, No, you have to write the movie with me. Yeah. She just wants to hang out with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I I too was also like, why doesn't she just write this on her own? And then I was like, cuz writing on your own is very hard. Yeah. And it stinks. And so. she thinks he's cute. Yeah. Weird tidbits. Um he mentions where his apartment is Yeah. and it's not too far from where he, we're recording. Oh, and, that's true.
1: And where you live. And where
0: I live, it's literally like 6 blocks from well, now people will start <gasps> hunting me down.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Um remember when you gave out your address on the podcast? <laughs>
1: Now I look somewhere different. So you could totally just slip that right back in.
0: Um, The pitch. The pitch. um, Could you imagine going in to pitch a story and then having it go so bad you end up asking for a $300 loan, which in today's money would probably be about like $20,000. $20,000? I don't know. $15,000 with inflation. (laughs) $300 back then was a lot of money.
1: I really love when people call movies Pictures. I I wish we just brought that back into the just the into way the we speak now.
0: in our lexicon?
1: Pictures.
0: Would you remake this movie?
1: Yeah. I mean it's sort of in the way that we've spoken before about movies that have that sort of a star is born quality where you can remake them generation after generation and it never loses its effect on yeah. us because we're all still familiar with – how society hasn't changed in it's a treatment of celebrity and I think this is one of those movies. You could remake it over and over and we would still understand how this happens.
0: Yeah. Um, there's this little tidbit I'm going to read from IMDb. According to Cameron Crowe, who shadowed Billy Wilder in his twilight years, a typical day in his office would consist of him answering numerous phone calls from people requesting to make this film, upon which he would inform them that he didn't own the rights and promptly hung up. I don't know if that's true in mm-hmm. terms of Billy Wilder didn't have the rights or if it was just owned by Paramount or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like that idea that he – like maybe he was just too protective of it. But the, but also that people were actively seeing this movie and being like, man, doesn't matter how much time has passed. This movie is still yeah. an incredible story on its own right but also like a really prescient story about Hollywood. That has lasted over, mm-hmm. you know, 70 years since it first came out. So, yeah, I would I would definitely see a version of this movie. Um, I think what would be the most meta or ironic would that it would come out on a streaming service. Maybe Warner streaming as we've learned is happening. Well, you know
1: what's interesting is – I don't know if you watched this movie for free on – Canopy. I
0: did. Thank you for the recommendation. I
1: feel like I've, nobody knows about this, but if you if you live, I feel like if you live in any big metro area, you yeah. can do this. There's a service called Canopy, and you sign in with your library card. Yeah,
0: and
1: guys, it's time to take
0: a break. This is our ad section.
1: All of you can watch all of the Criterion Collection. Lots of A24 movies. Yeah,
0: just use your promo code THEBOOT. <laughs>
1: We don't have promo codes. (laughs) Not enough people listen to this. Um, But your library
0: card. card, Your your library library card
1: will help you watch movies for free.
0: Guys, that's it for us on this week of The Boot. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like this episode, please check out next week's episode. Please check out our past episodes. Tell your friends. Please rate and please subscribe on services where you can find us, which are Kenna.
1: You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us individually, if that's your bag, at Kenna Trent and at Flynn B.
0: All right, guys. We'll see you next time.
3: All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up.